We've been having a lot of discussion over the last couple of days about the consequences of the Colton Bushy verdict. Gerald Stanley acquitted of second-degree murder. Lots of people reacting to that. And uh, and included among those are politicians who don't normally comment on the outcomes of criminal trials, especially when they might be the subject of appeals. John Robson writes about this in the National Post and joins us on Ottawa Today. Hello, John. Good afternoon. What are your thoughts on how the Justice Minister, the Prime Minister, and other politicians weighed in on this verdict? I know they're saying they're talking about the broader issue, but when when a case ends with a certain outcome and you use that as a jumping-off point to make a comment about what's wrong with the criminal justice system, it does imply, does it not, that you think that the wrong outcome was achieved? Yeah, I, I think they are being even more than normally disingenuous when they say things like that. Uh, I mean, we have here um, a tweet from Jagmeet Singh. He's the NDP leader. He said, there was no justice for Colton Bushy. Okay, so are you commenting on this case? I mean, give me a break. Uh, Justin Trudeau, we have come to this point as a country too often. What point? He's obviously talking about this case. He's obviously disagreeing with the verdict. He is saying Gerald Stanley should go to jail. You committed murder. And to do that to a man, the prime minister, when your picture's all over the paper and people know where you farm, you say, you committed a racist murder and you got away with it because your neighbors are bigots too. How can the prime minister talk like that? How can he utter such divisive and cruel statements? Has he no conception of what this man is feeling? Never mind the, you know, the, the length of time, the legal proceedings, the, the cost and the stress. He will live for the rest of his life knowing that he took another human life. He says he didn't mean to. The jury believed him. It does appear to have been a tragic accident in a difficult circumstance. He was frightened. He had to make a split-second judgment. But he will still never be free of what happened to this day. And now he's got the prime minister, for all practical purposes, saying, well, you're actually guilty. You, you murdered that guy. You, you committed manslaughter. You manslaughtered him. This is, and they're telling Aboriginals, you know, the court system is a bigoted scam. Of course, you can't get justice because you're an Indian. And it's telling all the people in rural Canada who have concerns about crime, oh, you're just bigots. As though it's, and I know some people who live in the rural West, and they are very concerned about the rate of crime, they, the constant intrusions, the theft, the burglary, armed intruders. And you're saying to them, oh, well, you know, it's just because you think they're Indians. You know, if, if white people were doing this to you, you wouldn't mind at all. How, how can the prime minister think that way about his fellow Canadians? How can he allow such sentiments to come from his mouth? He makes them sound high-minded, but they're not. They're talking as though Saskatchewan in 2018 was Mississippi burning. Now, some people would react to what you're saying uh, by responding that, look, uh, Gerald Stanley's still alive if he has to carry the burden of, of the guilt of taking another human life accidentally, if that's what happened for the rest of his life. He, he's alive and Colton Bushy is dead. He's not the victim here. Well, yeah, and it, it, that, of course, that's true. Colton Bushy's family lost him. His friends, he's dead, and nothing can ever change that. But for the, the first thing, don't you understand that Gerald Stanley knows this? that he understands that whatever happened that day, he's alive. His wife, who he thought they had run over, is in fact alive. And one of the people who came onto his property is dead. And I agree that I said in the column, Colton Bushy is a victim, partly of the lawlessness and, and that does in fact exist on too many reserves. I mean, 
I don't. The thing is, you have to remember why did this happen? This happened because four young people were driving around drunk with a weapon, trying to steal vehicles, and they came onto this man's farm and. By their actions, they led him to believe that he and his family were in imminent jeopardy of their lives. And then he reacted in a way that ended in tragedy. But how did anybody think that that kind of behavior was going to end? That doesn't mean Colton Bush is not a victim, but he's not a victim of Gerald Stanley. And he and his friends made a series of bad decisions. And again, you know, all of us in our lives have made bad decisions. We all, as young people, did things we were lucky to survive. At least I think we did. You may not have, but uh, many of us <laughs> did. But, uh, but the truth is that if this could so easily have ended in a drunk driving accident, they could have been killed. Somebody else could have been killed. What they were doing that day was very dangerous. And it did end badly in one of a number of ways that it could have ended badly. And again, I, you know, maybe his family and friends were working hard to keep him in the straight and narrow. Maybe this was not typical of him. But he is a victim of bad judgment and possibly of a, the negative environment in which he lived. Um, but, but you can't behave the way he was behaving that day with any regularity and not wind up injured, dead, or in jail. And it's not the fault of the person on whose property, and this was the second vehicle they tried to steal that day, you are trying to steal a vehicle. This, this is, it, it's a terrible thing that it happened. He doesn't deserve yeah. to die because he did this. But the farmer didn't deserve to be in a situation where he had to make the kind of decisions that he had to make that resulted in a tragedy that then has him and his pictures all over the paper, and people have run pictures of his farm. They've talked about where he farms, and a whole bunch of high-profile politicians are saying that he got away with murder because of Canadian racism. And he's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. He will be looking over his shoulder. And it will partly be the fault of these politicians, who act so, as though they're the most compassionate people in the world, but don't seem to have spared a second thought for the situation that he's in. So what does that mean about our justice system? Should we be saying to the, to the indigenous people who think that there's something wrong with the justice system, that there's systemic bias, should we simply be saying you're wrong, there isn't, or is there some solution that can, can, bring, that can co create more confidence in the system? I think there are things that can be done to create more confidence, but part of it does have to be to say you are adults. And you must take some responsibility here, because the, the question here, in part, I would ask, suppose that what happened had happened almost exactly as it did, but the farmer had been Aboriginal, and the four young people who came onto his property had been white. Do you think the same jury would have convicted this man because he was an Indian? Because unless you're prepared to say that, what you're saying is that there's a lot of concern about crime and about the right of self-defense in the West, and that the jury system upheld this concern. And I noticed Jagmeet saying, because he said we've got to get rid of peremptory challenges, on the apparent theory that if there had been Indians on the jury, they would have voted against the white guy. And yeah, I suppose the other argument is that they would have that that the outcome of the trial would have been uh, perceived differently, even if it was the same outcome if there had been indigenous people on the jury. Yeah, no, I, let me uh, one more thing. Jagmeet Singh was in today's paper admitting that when he was a defense lawyer, he used peremptory challenges against, and he called them people who weren't diverse. Right. Meaning what? 
what's diverse? You're three different races at once. What do you mean? Does he he booted white people off juries because yep. they thought he thought they'd be unsympathetic to his clients? So defense lawyers are able to do this, but. So are we going to get rid of the peremptory challenge, or are we just going to get rid of the peremptory challenge if the defendant is a white man? What is it that they think should happen here to create greater fairness? And there's another statistic. This is to me is very troubling. A quarter of murder victims in this country are Aboriginal. A quarter, and yet Aboriginal is only 5% of our population. And right away this tells you there's a terrible problem, not with the justice system, but with crime, because a third of the people, and that was in 2015, a third of the people identified as the perpetrators of homicides were Aboriginal. So you know what's going on here? And this is the problem in the justice system, and this is very similar to what's wrong in the United States, too. Aboriginals live in an environment where there is far too much crime. Yeah. And the typical Aboriginal lives in a state of much greater fear and at much greater risk than the average non-Aboriginal, whatever their race. All right. But how are you going to fix this problem by refusing... Uh, what are you going to do in the justice system to stop the fact in over 80% of those cases, murderer and victim knew each other. What is it about the justice system that you think is causing that to happen? Great to hear your perspective, John. I appreciate this. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show.